thanks so much for tuning in to this special edition of the Black Girl Nerds podcast, solely dedicated to the Academy Awards, aka the Oscars, aka Oscars So White, aka an award show that we really don't care about anymore because it doesn't represent people that look like us. So, my name is Jamie, and I am your host, and I am joined along with Karan, Cynthia, Joy, and Kayla. And we have a very candid and open discussion about the show on Sunday night with Chris Rock's performance, what we thought about it, what we decided to do that Sunday night. Some of us watched, some of us did not. Also, we talked about the backlash that happened on social media. It got really weird on Twitter that night. And non-black people of color started tweeting about how they weren't included in the conversation. So we, we talk about that a little bit. And then we go into Gods of Egypt. It was a film that happened. We don't know why. Well, we know why it happened. But what really was bizarre about Gods of Egypt is the fact that it was whitewashed so blatantly and so disrespectfully that a lot of people were like, guess what? We're not going to watch it. And it premiered this weekend and pretty much nobody watched it. (laughs) So we talked about that. So I hope you enjoy this bonus Oscar talk episode. It's our Oscars wrap up roundtable. BGM podcast extra coming at ya. Thank you for listening into this special edition of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. It's our Oscar roundup, Oscar wrap up roundup. I am here with some great co-hosts to just talk about what has happened with the Oscars that happened over the last 24 hours. Social media went pretty crazy and there were a lot of think pieces on the internet and everybody's in a frenzy over what happened, what didn't happen, who showed up, who didn't show up. So I'm very excited to have here Cynthia, Karan, Joy, and Kayla to have a very interesting and candid conversation about the Oscars 2016. Thank you, ladies, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jamie. All right, so my first question to each of you is... Did you watch? Let's do it in this order. We'll start with Cynthia, Karan, Joy, and Kayla. Cynthia, did you watch the Oscars? Hell no. <laughs> Many reasons. One, I was at work. Two, I don't support the Oscars because I was supporting Oscars so white. So I was also boycotting. And three, I, I don't care to see white people be awarded for mediocrity. So, All right. Tell it like it is. That's it. <laughs> Karan? Yes, I did watch. I watched it. I had two televisions going, um, one connected to my computer to stream (laughs) Flint and the other connected to Chris Rock because he was the only thing that was worth seeing. Um, Maybe a couple of the dresses, but they were really underwhelming. Um, But uh, yeah, I did watch. I watched from start to finish and critiqued all the way through um, and 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 raised some money for Flint on Twitter while I did it. Nice. Nice. Joy? You know, I used to hate watch a lot of things back in the day mm. until I realized that I really I, I can't be a, a masochist in terms of uh, hate watching anymore. So, no, I didn't watch. I watched the Justice for Flint uh, stream, which was everything. 
It was. Uh, mm. Janelle Monet gave me life. Yes. Uh, yes. Jasmine Sullivan gave me life. Mm. Yes. Stevie is always Stevie. It was just such a great, mm. a great production by Ryan and um, Ava, who are like our two superhero film uh, Barbie and Ken. So very happy about <laughs> that. So I watched the set of the Oscars. Um, I did, but I also was, I was like Karan, I was watching it because I wanted to see Chris Rock and, you know, see what actually would happen and how he would actually handle the situation. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if he showed up, really. I just wanted to be that person. <laughs> like, show up. <laughs> but also I was watching, um, on my laptop, I was watching my favorite movie that was underrated and never got a nomination. It was Tortilla Soup with all of my favorite Latinas. So for me, mm. it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch my movie. And I ended up focusing more. I was tweeting and I was also, you know, kind of going back and forth with Quran. And then I was like, all right, well, I started focusing on the movie because it got really boring. The Oscars used to be able to have that little touch that would keep you watching. Hmm. I got bored, you know? Yeah. All I wanted to, you know, the only thing that got me interested was when he did the, you know, the cookies and then I was like, oh, I, I got girls got refrigerator, so let me go grab some. So. <laughs> well, for me, I did not watch. I was watching Justice for Flint, like many of you, and it was phenomenal. I loved it. I loved seeing Jasmine Sullivan and Music Soul Child and Jesse Williams. It was a delight. And I'm a huge stand for Ryan Coogler. And just seeing the fact that he put this all together on a night where he could have been at the Oscars, you know, his film was being recognized through the performance of Sylvester Stallone, but he elected to do something even greater and I donated as well. So it was great watching that stream, but I did watch the Oscars by way of my Twitter timeline. And that was a lot more entertaining (laughs) than actually watching the Oscars. And then I watched the, you know, the walking dead, uh, so it, it was a very interesting night for sure. So tell me what you guys thought about Chris Rock's performance. Um, hmm. Well, I didn't watch it, but I, I mean, I didn't actually watch the Oscars as it aired, mm-hmm. but I got to see the clips afterwards. Right. And I am severely disappointed. Yeah. Severely. Um, you know, there are, it's like, God, I don't even know where to start. It's just, as a collective, every all the jokes that I saw or that I heard, it didn't really sound like it was truly in favor for us. One of the great things about the fact that Chris Rock was hosting and the fact that Oscar So White happened was, okay, let's make white people uncomfortable, but also give them a chance to think about why Oscar So White is even a thing. This could have been a great opportunity where he shared clips of black actors and actresses that haven't been awarded that deserve to be awarded to see us not even black, but also um, Latino, Latina, um, Asian, Native American. All of those groups had a chance. LGBTQ disabled. We all had a chance to see our stuff being featured or to see our stuff being highlighted or to see us having some type of appreciation that didn't come across. Instead, we just got really lame jokes. Freaking Stacey Dash. Um, one of the most annoying jokes that I saw was when Angela Bassett had like this little clip where she's talking about Will Smith, but then she ends up awarding Jack Black. What? 
Yeah, it was a clip that was um it was either shared on Twitter or um on during the Oscars night, but if you see the video, it's just it's as if it's this montage of Angela Bassett talking about a prolific actor that you would think is going to be Will Smith because of what they say, and then they award Jack Black as if to say how black people are still not awarded what they're what they deserve. That is so and it's just like Right. It's just like I have an opportunity to talk about something good and that's what you do. I think that's the important part about about context for the whole thing, because there are so many people that are commenting that did not watch. They only saw the monologue or they only saw a clip. That was not what that clip was at all. He wasn't being awarded anything. It was a joke and a play on the word black. It it, it wasn't set up that way. And, And I while I can see from a different lens how you might get that interpretation if you didn't watch it. I understand why you got that interpretation because you didn't watch it. Okay. The uh, the other thing is a, a lot of the 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 backlash uh, well not even the backlash but as far as Chris Rock's performance Chris Rock did what Chris Rock does. He pisses people off. Right. And a lot of people say and that too. That's true. Whether you love it or you hate it, he got the same visceral response for Bigger and Blacker. He got the same visceral response for his second and third um, live recording. Um, that he, the, the one that he did that he filmed from all different places around the world. He mm-hmm. does what he does best. He frames his comedy in his experience because this has been a really polar. This was a really polarizing performance and mm-hmm. understandably so. Because in a lot of ways, he was set up to fail, first of all. Mm, that's true. In so that's many true. ways, he was set up to fail. But as Chris Rock did exactly what Chris Rock does. There is no gray. You either love it or you hate it. There's mm. no gray area. It's not. He does not have lukewarm comedy. He came mm. out swinging. There's some areas where he swung way too far. And there are others where he didn't swing hard enough. Some mm-hmm. of it was cheesy. Some of it was cheeky and some of it, like Stacey Dash, was just dumb. But Chris <laughs> Rock does, he, he accomplished what he set out to do. And the thing that I appreciate about all of the conversation is that none of it is surface. What I don't mm. understand is why he was expected to be the savior of every race in one night that he was already set up to fail. Joy, Joy what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I I agree with Cynthia in terms of ter- in terms of Chris Rock was just doing what Chris Rock does. Oh, um, Karan. Oh, that was Karan. Sorry, Karan. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it Chris Rock was was doing what Chris Rock uh, does. It was. I'm not gonna lie, it was uncomfortable to watch. Um, full disclosure, I did not watch the Oscars, so I did see the clip um, after the fact on YouTube to to get context for monologues. I didn't want to kind of judge it prematurely before I saw everything and there's a lot of hot takes on Twitter while it was happening so I wanted to wait um and seeing it myself it it was it was definitely uncomfortable I think the two things that I noticed was the loudest that the very white audience was clapping and laughing was during the lynching part of his bit oh I heard about that that was hard that was a hard now do you think that they laughed because they didn't understand that this was him just being satirically funny 
or they, they were just like laughing because they were uncomfortable and they were like, ha 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 kind of thing. Like, why do you think people were laughing in that moment? Cause it was a very inappropriate time to laugh at a lynching joke. Right. I think the context of what, uh, preceded the lynching joke is important because he's, he prefaced that piece of the bit with talking about that back in, uh, the 60s and the 50s, 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of we, we had more important things to protest. Um, mm, right, right. Preface that laughing um, going into the lynching piece. The lynching piece definitely had its own pausing of laughter, but that whole we had more important things to protest about yeah. um, definitely got more applause, which I think is, it, it can't mm-hmm. be separated. It has to be combined. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're talking about someone who... And, you know, I don't expect Chris Rock to be my black savior. I'm black myself. I can save myself. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm not looking for him to be a representative of all of the black race or all of the people of color. Chris Rock is doing a job. Chris Rock is getting paid to do his job. Exactly. Um, but was the white gaze I was more uncomfortable with than his performance mm-hmm. overall? Um, I don't, th- I, th- I think he didn't help. He definitely aided, uh, that white gaze, but, I guess the white gaze's reaction really was kind of made me what made me uh grip my teeth more than his his pieces, if that makes sense. Mm. Right. How about you, Kayla? Um, it it was really um, when I tuned in. I'm like, oh, am I gonna watch? I I kind of played it off like, am I gonna watch? Am I not gonna watch? I was in the middle of a movie, and then I turned it on, and it was right around when those jokes first started, and um. It makes you a little uncomfortable, but that, like, you know, like Karan said, it's he he's always been that way. Yeah. And um, I think it, also he was set up to fail. I mean, there was not much to play with, you know, because he didn't have that. Every other host that has been on that show has been set up to do something awesome you know, to have something be something that is talked about for the rest of, you know, for three or four weeks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I feel that they didn't, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it because he, it made me uncomfortable because it's part of what the media ended up doing to him because then it's also, you know, one of those things we were talking about where people think that Austin, you're so white is only about black people and it's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. and yeah. because the media takes what they want that's what the night became about that it was exactly. only about black people it's not that and that's not what Oscar's so white is about and that's what I think the performance did is it helped the media with that mm-hmm. and I don't I don't appreciate it because that's not the only that's not what it's about. It's about so many other minorities being covered and being awarded for their great work. And it doesn't happen. And to say, oh, well, people have one compared to how many white people have one. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. And, right. and it's some, not just another, about- another thing about that, too, is that I got into a discussion this morning about Oscar so white with one of the groups that I belong to. Mm-hmm. And the anger was that it, it wasn't diverse enough. There wasn't enough representation for other people, but it wasn't just about black and white. And mm-hmm. we know it wasn't about just black and white, but he is a black man in this experience. And that's how he framed that comedy. Mm-hmm. Now, 
the other thing that was important to notice during the show is that the few others who were of color, they, they, still, they still had mm-hmm. white skin, but the few mm-hmm. others that were of color that were awarded had an opportunity to speak for themselves. That's too. true. Right. So I, and looking at it, I'm saying something just got scrapped from his script because some everybody ran over. Everybody got the cut off music from the Dave Chappelle show. Everybody. Right. There was not one person that was not cut off by music and they kept going. Every last one of them that had a statement to make kept going, whether that statement was about diversity, whether it was about oppression, whether mm-hmm. it was about inclusion or exclusion. Every single person kept going. They, there was a lot that was said that wasn't said by Chris Rock. That was very important part of the show. Yeah. I think, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, I also want to say that another thing, and this is also something that I'm beginning to realize too, is that a lot of celebrities, they hear about these things, but they honestly don't even really understand them right. to a certain extent. Because a lot of black celebrities, they can hear about Oscar so white, you know, they can get the gist of it, but they're uh, not, a, not all of them are actually on Twitter with us when the discussion is happening, when right. we're all, uh, uh, you know, contributing to the hashtag and talking about all of our struggles in Hollywood. So Chris Rock, as uh, Kron said, Chris Rock is going to do it in the experience that he knows as a black man and also as someone who has had his own way of aiding, you know, um, diversity in film and television, mm-hmm. he's only going to speak on his experiences yeah. because that is what he hears when he hears Oscar so white. I, I, I don't understand what's wrong with that. And, and, and this leads me to our next talking point about this and piggybacking off of what Kayla was discussing with respect to non-black people of color. There was a lot of backlash on social media um, towards Chris Rock because he did not center other marginalized groups that he just focused on the black experience. (coughs) My thing is, why is that a problem that if you as a black person are talking about your experience, can you really speak to other marginalized voices? Can you really speak to the gay experience? Can you speak to Mm -hmm. disabled people? Can you speak to indigenous peoples? I, I don't see how that he should have that responsibility if he doesn't walk in those shoes. So what are your thoughts about the backlash that had happened? I I noticed that there were people like Ming Na Wen on Twitter that had some things to say, Daniel Day Kim. A lot of members of the Asian community were were pretty upset. As a matter of fact, there was a hashtag that grew out of that called 1% or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this divide and conquer hashtag concept was birthed through this. So so what were your thoughts about the, the backlash that had happened as a result of Chris Rock himself, just speaking from his own experience as a black man about the Oscars so white conversation? Can I take that one first? So, mm-hmm. um, so shout out to Mickey Kendall, who I think is Carnithia. I hope I'm not butchering mm-hmm. her, her, her uh, Twitter name. She created a hashtag called not my mule, not your mule. Yes. Um, and I was all up on it because I was frankly fed up throughout the whole uh, situation. So just a little background um, uh, to um, to Jamie's point. There was a, a sizable amount of the Asian community that were high 
Asian celebrities, if you will, who are speaking out about feeling like they weren't included, as well as I think somebody who is who identifies as Latino, who was on NTV, and I think he was like the narrator of that white people documentary, could not mm. remember his ad name, but he also brought that up as well. And then HuffPost Latinos tweeted something like that too. Yes. Yeah. Oh they, yeah, Jose they, Vargas or, or something. Mm-hmm. He was they, the one. Yeah. yeah. And they thought I didn't see it, but I saw it. So they are tweeting about, well, what about us Latinos? What about us Asians? What about us, you know, insert non-black people of color here? Right. And uh, 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 Mickey was pretty much like, listen, you can't, ex- you're usually the ones who have, one, have a lot of anti-blackness within your own com- community. There we go. There and we go. so when we're talking about Black Lives Matter, when we're talking about this new wave of the civil rights movement, you guys are awfully silent. But now that after all of our scratching and fighting to open up this conversation, started by uh, April Rain, shout out Rain April, who created Oscar So White hashtag. And one, April, in all of the interviews that I have seen, has always included everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. measured my receipts and I was like she's always included uh uh disabled folks mm-hmm. uh LGBTQ folks um um uh Native Americans uh Asian Latino she's really included the whole gamut when she's talking about inclusion she's never been exclusive in terms of Oscar so white and it's not Oscar's so black it's 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 Oscar's mm-hmm. not so black it's Oscar so white you can really leave it up to uh interpretation but I do think that um Oftentimes we're in a, a, a bit of a situation and it might be something that we're seeing more in the forefront because it's Twitter and it's sensational and it's social media. But overall, there has, especially in this most we- recent wave of like civil rights activism on a social media platform, black folks have been in the forefront fighting for everyone. We're naturally mm-hmm. inclusive to a fault. So the fact that you're telling me yeah. that you kind of want to ride on my coattails now that the dust is cleared, I got an issue with that. Also, you have two uh, people who were in the forefront who were non-black people of color who gave mm-hmm. us the colorblind spiel. So then you have Priyanka Chopra, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, mm-hmm. who pretty much said that I don't see color when they asked her about Oscar So White. And then you have Alejandro Iñárritu, who won the, uh, the Best Director Oscar for The Revenant and pretty much was like, well, I hope the color of my skin will be the same as the hair on my head, which is pretty much a diet I have a dream speech, which also what? gives me... Which, which gives me hives in general because my folk have uh, really <laughs> taken MLK's words and really run the gamut on it. So it always gives me like stress disorder when I hear versions of it used. So you're using that. You're talking pretty much colorblindness in your own speech when you win the Oscar. You're talking about colorblindness on the carpet and you want us, you want to really, you really want to get on the winning team here. I gotta, I gotta mm-hmm. be here. I, I completely agree. I, one of the tweets that I sent out last night. Um, was news at 6 a.m. hashtag Oscar so white and news at noon follow the hashtag trail of new salty white tears. In <laughs> other news, justice for Flint was off the chain, so go vote. And mm-hmm. you know, Priyanka Chopra, I, I was really surprised to hear her response because if I remember correctly, she had an interview where she said when she came to America and she was working the deal for uh, for Quantico, um, they didn't believe that she was had done over 50 films in India. Nobody knew who she was. So, and that's because her skin is brown. It's, mm-hmm. it's not because you that, she is gorgeous. She's not enough by a rye where she looks like she could be something else. Like, like right. she's white. Indian. She, she is, she's Southeast Asian. And I think she's, she's beautiful and she's amazing, but she has not found her voice 
here. Either she hasn't found it or she hasn't used it. And that mm-hmm. to me is offensive. So when, when we talk about all these other people, um, and I said the same thing earlier today in the group that I was talking to, you know, when we fight, we are inclusive. And I'm speaking of black people, African-Americans and Africans. When we fight, we're including other people. We we take them with us on the fight and we fight for them and us. But now all of a sudden this issue was turned into, well, what about us? And I'm saying, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean? What about you? And then folk were mad at, at, at Chris Rock for the, the joke about um about Jada saying that she wasn't invited in the first place. I was like, but he wasn't wrong. She's a TV actress. I I took a little issue with that. I just thought that that was inappropriate. Like it it was an unnecessary thing to say. And first of of all, and first of all, she never even said the word boycott. That was Mm -hmm. something that the media twisted. So, you know, how it got construed in the first place that it was a boycott was wrong. And for him to even bring that up was was just unnecessary. The joke about Will Smith and, you know, the 20 million for getting paid while Wild West. Yes. Ha ha. Funny, funny. But to put down Jada Smith, black women already were heavily marginalized. We barely get any kind of recognition or accolades um, to, to throw her under the bus like that. I, I actually have a little less respect for Chris Rock because of his statements towards Jada Pinkett Smith. I, I, I don't because again, it was a joke in the context of the big elephant that was facing him in the camera. I mean, but who, who would Chris though. Rock have, who, who who would have been? But he's got wrong information. But it's wrong information. That's the problem. Like, and and I think that's the problem with the whole Oscar so white discussion too, because it looks like Chris Rock got it wrong too when it comes to who this conversation is about. He thinks it's a black and white issue when it's about marginalized people and white supremacy, and that's why so many non-black people of color got so upset about this. Cause, but cause it's he kept also mentioning bringing that. attention to all the press that he's done on behalf of black women and behalf of other marginalized communities over the last year, because he has spoken on it. I don't. Hmm. My issue is, and it's just separate from the Oscars and. And I get it that he's, you know, a dad. And it's even when he came down and he did the the um, the documentary, the hair documentary. I I don't I don't know how I feel about a black man speaking for me and mm-hmm. how I choose to to look. And it's also one of those things where I was getting frustrated because, like you said, and like Jamie said, it's not a black or white thing. It's everybody. So it's who they also. It, it also it helped the media keep doing that because the media make they've made it more it's black or white and the black people are angry you know watching the local news this morning when i'm getting ready for work they show the four people outside of our local station that are black protesting and they're like well they're saying it's too white you know we had some african american protesters outside yeah but it's not just about black people versus white people it's everybody so and it's also about the representation we get at the award shows when they invite those people to come and be presenters Sophia Vergara doesn't speak for me as a Latin woman never has never will does she speak (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry no that's that's actually a good point because I think she was a presenter at the Oscars correct me if I'm wrong and she didn't say anything either 
So no, it, and that that made me upset. If you're gonna be up there, and you're gonna be a representation of a woman who is a Latina, and be upset that there's not enough diversity up there, that's a frustrating thing for me too. Because it's not for me. What's frustrating is not seeing an Afro Latina up there, but I get Sofia Vergara and Penelope Cruz every year. That's a or America. Right. Yeah. And and you see, and, and that's one of the things that I have a problem with is the fact that a lot of black people have been coming out and creating content, whether it be films, TV shows, or just simply speaking out about it. You know, we are doing the work, but you do have a few people of color who are in the spotlight doing the work, but I don't see people really highlighting them. For example, you have Gina Rodriguez, who stars in Jane yes. the Virgin, who yes. goes so hard for the Latina community. She she goes hard. She literally spends every Monday on Instagram highlighting a new uh, a Latino or Latina person in film or television mm-hmm. industry just to illustrate that that is what she needs to see. She said she even legit ha- went on, a, on um, a TV program and she had an interview where she said she is currently in a production company that aims to put more Latinas at work, to mm-hmm. put them on the screen and behind the screen. But I don't see people shouting her out. Yeah, I don't see people be, uh, like going hard for her. And it just goes to show, like, are you actually looking for the people that are really going hard for you and doing what you can to uplift their hashtags, to up- uplift their movements, instead of and writing on ours? I don't think that they are. And that's where they're getting frustrated. But you also have to have those people that stand up for you. I'm sorry. At this point, for the Asian community, you've got to have somebody in that community that stands up for you. Call them out on Twitter. Say, stand up for me. Stand up for us so we can see more of you. We can't always have Ming-Na, Jamie Chung, and, you know, Bruce. It's true. <laughs> so. and, if and if we're just being logical here, why would you want a black person to be to the voice for you? you? Yeah. Let's just Let's just think about it. Like, the image here. Mm-hmm. Why, where, where does that, you know, it's like, I can understand if it's something in an issue of disability where, yeah, that can be anyone of color, where that can be anyone of color, that can be anybody of, um, uh, of any sexuality, that's fine. But we're mm-hmm. talking about specifically, we're talking about race here. Right. So if we're talking about race, why don't you go out and look and support somebody who wants to speak for you? Or why don't you be that person that begins the conversation? That's what I was going to say. There's another option to speak for yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because this- a whole lot of people put a lot of energy onto placing the blame and the seat of this whole issue with Chris That's Rock. That's it. They were talking about Chris Rock the whole time when they could have been making their own statements in conjunction with bring yep. it into the conversation but that's not happening right. what, what I saw happening was people who whether you agree with his comedy whether you agree with him being there and, and you know the, the whole um, child labor thing was atrocious it was disgusting I was I was I was mad about that part but it, it was a lot of hit or misses there were there were hits and misses in the entire throughout the night but you have a platform and an opportunity to speak and you still talking about him not mm-hmm. doing it. You're not talking about you doing it. I think if, if if the media actually did their job and interviewed April Rain instead of erasing her and dismissing mm-hmm. her from the conversation, yeah. all of this wouldn't even be a conversation right now. Like yeah. I, I feel like we have this misinterpretation of what the Oscar So White discussion was about, which was 
marginalized voices, Mm -hmm. people of all different backgrounds, sexually fluid people, gender fluid people, people of all different nationalities. And April has always articulated that. But I see these articles, there was an article on freaking, I think it was the Atlantic or or some like really well known publication, where they said that it was a black white issue. And never once did they think to interview April Rain or listen to any of her um, discussions or see her on Twitter or just ask her about it. And it just made me very frustrated because it's just like, where are you getting your information? Have you ever thought to go to the source of the person that created this hashtag? But rather going to the source, you rather just make up your own hyperbole of what this is supposed to be about. And now we get what happened last night with Chris Rock. And everybody's getting all upset and they're all up in arms about something that they don't have to be because we're all fighting the same fight. I mean, (laughs) we don't have to talk about the fact that journalism in itself is really plummeting because the fact that people are so focused on getting hits that we are actually telling a good story. So, like, just seeing the way that they take Twitter um, comments and especially from black women and then they create a complete article out of it. Right. And they tag us and, you know, they don't give credit whatsoever. You know, journalism in itself is just so trash and the media is so trash that to rely on them. Like, look what they did. They freaking compared Oprah. Like, they, they said Oprah, Who- Whoopi Goldberg was Oprah. That was you rough. Know, you yeah. know something? <laughs> I, 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 got, I have, to, I have to, to, to speak on that because I got trolled because of that last night. Um, there was... Uh, you write about journalism and considering what's happened over the last week uh, concerning our journalists who are in the mainstream media, the ones who did have voices mm-hmm. um, who are no longer there um, mm-hmm. in the same place. It, it's, it's very relevant. And I am a journalist and yes. I feel the, I feel the, 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 the letting of blood. I feel the jugular that's bleeding out slowly, you know, from, from the integrity of the profession, we don't have it anymore. And then when we do have it in our hands, we get silenced. But the whole thing about this was a magazine that confused Whoopi Goldberg for Oprah and the, the little troll, poor little Tink Tink, the little troll (laughs) decided that she was going to, you know, come after me talking about, you don't recognize shade when you see it. I was like, try this, but it, it was, they apologize at the end of the night when everybody was asleep, but still we have to deal with, they still think we all look alike after all this time, but they do it every year. Every Every Oscar year year they do this. Yeah. I feel like they do it on purpose. Yeah. Now just use patronizing. Yeah. Like, ha, let me just get this, this laugh in. And it's just like, no, stop it. Yeah. Can I bring one, just one thing, um, going back to um, highlighting uh, Gina Rodriguez, mm-hmm. who has really been fighting for uh, Latina representation. One, she even had a post about uh, Les Alonzo and about Afro being Afro-Latino and her yes. being mm-hmm. Afro-Latino. And I gave like the most resounding of snaps when I saw it. I was like, mm-hmm. you're going to go, Gina. But also, Eva Longoria, during the Oscars, yes. I don't think a lot of people know about this, had a Hollywood brownout like campaign where she was asking attendees to wear brown ribbons, brown ribbons. and yes. lack of uh, uh, Latina representation. And like uh, Eva Longoria, America Ferreira, and Gina Rodriguez, yep. they're going for the holy trinity of fighting for uh, Latinx people, which I appreciate. But they also asked to to... to use the hashtag Hollywood Brownout 
and brown ribbon camp uh brown ribbon campaign and my question is all the folks who were in my mentions your mentions were they uh tweeting this hashtag nope i didn't I see that i saw i i fell upon the hashtag through somebody else who was tweeting about it which just so happened to be a black person so that's just yeah and again, I, I hate to, you know, we're still talking about a group of very powerful women who still yeah. look like everybody else in the room. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not, they still look like everybody else in the room. Being Latina and being black are not mutually exclusive. Right. There are plenty the of Afro-Latinas people. are so invisible in this conversation. That's it's what true. makes me so crazy when, when, when I have a conversation of, with white people or a white person about immediately assuming somebody is African-American. I'm like, you know, we're everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. They're not African-American because okay. they're not from here. Yeah. And well, the thing is, and it's a frustrating thing just, you know, growing up, too. For me, it was, you know, I, I you'd go to someone to be like, oh, you're so pretty. You'd be like, well, my dad's Dominican and my mom is black. They'd be like, oh, well, you're black. I'd be like, oh, okay. Being one or one thing doesn't cancel out the other, but okay. they will group you all together if they have the chance to. And that's something I just grew up with and I've learned to just let it roll off. But I would love to have seen that. I mean, that's why I cling so hard to Rosario Dawson because she is my savior <laughs> and she's my representation I have out there. But she doesn't get as much, like I said, as Sofia Vergara, Penelope Cruz, Selma Hyde. They're always going to be the ones mm-hmm. that are out in the forefront, never going to be the Afro-Latinas. Same mm-hmm. with Gina Torres. Same with, I was going to um, say, shout out Gina Torres. Gina Torres all the time. And she, she, she talks about it. She, she's not afraid to talk about it. Gina Torres. You have Lanza Lanza who's talked about it. You have um, Tatiana Ali who's talked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of Afro-Latina women and men that do talk about their struggles. Um, and I, I, I honestly, I would love to see more of them take this leadership role of creating hashtags, of wanting to like create a foundation, a production company where they are just saying, you know what, we're not invisible. We accept being both black, black and Latina. So this is what we're going to do around it. Because yes, they talk about it and yes, they do interviews about it. But what about the actual proactiveness of the situation? You know, because the fact that there are still people who still don't believe that you can be both and that right. they're, that you can either look light skinned or you can even look dark skinned while being both. Mm-hmm. People just don't think that way. People will see Tatiana Ali, they'll think she's solely black. Yeah. You know, colorism plays a huge role in this. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw saw an article, I was reading an article earlier today um, that described Lupita um, as Mexican, Mexican Kenyan. What? Yeah. Because Um, she's going to Mexico? Yeah. So she's Mexican Kenyan now. And there was another something that I saw earlier describing someone as a a, a black Kenyan. I'm like, redundant much. Um, But you know, it, we, we're getting into this space where we are, we have the right to identify in whatever way we choose. Unless you're Rachel Dolezal. I was going to say Unless that. Unless you're Rachel Dolezal. <laughs> <laughs> we have the right to identify whatever way we, we choose in the context of sanity. Um, but this oversimplification of race, this 
over identification of everything down to the last drop, there's a difference between who you identify with and how the world sees you because of what you look like. And we happen to live in a country that treats you based on how dark your skin is, period. That's it. And Hollywood is notorious for colorism. Yeah. It's notorious for it. Let me ask you guys about this. This is a bonus discussion to our Hollywood conversation tonight with the Oscars. Uh, so this weekend, Gods of Egypt premiered. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, that happened. That so, failure happened. That failure happened, yes. It it opened with $14 million, I believe, is what it made at the box office. It cost $140 million to make. I love so uh, I want to know what your thoughts and and just to give the listeners some some background on Gods of Egypt. It's a film that was directed by Alex Proyas. He directed The Crow. He's Egyptian himself. I just found that out recently. I didn't even know that. But yeah, he cast mostly white actors. There's one black actor, Chadwick Boseman. But it's all white actors of Scandinavian and Australian descent, and they are playing African gods and goddesses. So uh, a lot of people were upset about that, including myself. What are your thoughts about the film's week opening and the film overall and just the idea of this incessant use of whitewashing in media? Over and over again. You're going to learn today. That's all I got to say. You're going (laughs) to learn today. You will keep making these whack-ass movies, and you will not put us in it, and you will learn. Because society, a majority of us, are slowly beginning to realize that this is bullshit. And we are slowly beginning to keep our asses still when they want to play around. So $14 out of a a $140 production... Yeah. Come on. Come on. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to forcefully place blame, but it's also like, I really got to wonder the people that are doing it, you know, that are really behind it, the actors, the actresses, the producers, everything. What are you thinking? Especially after Exodus Gods and Kings happened. That's, <laughs> that's what I don't understand. Like, when you read that script, like, okay, I am somebody who has studied acting, okay? And in acting school, no matter who it is or what you're doing, they always tell you that when you read the script, do your research, understand who it is that you're playing, understand it, because it makes it better for you to perform. Mm. How in the hell do you think that you, a white person, passing as Egyptian makes sense? How is it that producers and casting directors, all these people, continue to think that doing this makes sense? Blackface. Oh my goodness. But the thing is that they don't even try to do blackface anymore. They just put white people all up in it. They're not even trying anymore. Oh, Cynthia. Okay, so I'm having this discussion with this person who's really ignorant who ended up getting blocked on Facebook. (laughs) <laughs> and um, talking, and I was like, you know, I did theater for X amount of years, and, you know, I got to play these roles where it wasn't, you know, originally they were blonde. I was Adelaide and Guys and Dolls, and I am high yellow with brown hair. So it was fun for me because it's a play. It's an interpretation of who gets it interpreted. But when you come down to history, that's where the issue comes into play. And that's what I told that person. They're like, well, no, maybe this is this person's interpretation. I was like, no, 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 no. Exactly. No. Mm-hmm. I, doesn't I don't go, know. Doesn't go that way. I, 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 I would feel. 
when okay. I got the news of the failure of this film, and this is Karan speaking, I felt like I did when OJ got off. I was like, good, because we told you. <laughs> we told you. We told you. We told you. So I'm looking at an article like right this minute that says, you know, the, the director calls film critics deranged idiots after the negative reviews. It was like, but we told you. Yeah, we told you. So this colossal failure brings me such joy on the inside because they don't seem to get it unless it affects that pocket. They're going to learn. They're going to learn. I will learn. I saw somebody on Twitter. They tweeted to me, of course, an apologist, a gods of Egypt apologist, because they all come into my mentions because some <laughs> of my tweets have gone viral. And, you know, occasionally I'll get these folks that try to justify the film to me. And this guy was like. Ten years ago, this film would have been a box office success. And sadly, I, I think he's he's kind of right. But ten years ago, people weren't as savvy and socially conscious exactly. as they are today. You know, and, and people are sick and tired of seeing a monolith of faces that don't represent them. And, exactly. and now we are speaking with our dollars. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, hey, I'm not going to go see Gods in Egypt. I'm going to go see Deadpool instead. And Deadpool actually did go above uh, Gods, in, uh, Gods of Egypt on the, uh, the box office rankings. I forgot where it ranked exactly, but it made more money than Gods of Egypt this weekend at the box office. So oh. people are actually speaking with their dollars these days. And these filmmakers really need to take heed to the fact that we, we don't want to see this kind of content anymore. We just want to see images of people that look like us. It's really that simple. And I think that's also going to translate in the ratings for the Oscars in itself, being that mm-hmm. it is the lowest that it's ever been. Like, okay, people, it, it, like, honestly, if you can't get it now, then just keep doing what you're doing and we'll just keep disrespecting you all at the same time because <laughs> that's it. Eight-year low. It, this is... $34.3 million was the number, and it's at an eight-year low for the Oscars. That's, that's great. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm glad this, this this movie did bad. Like, uh, I saw, when I read about it, I was just like, my God is always right on time when he needs to be. <laughs> All the time. I, I don't know how we didn't, we didn't learn from Exodus God of, Gods of Egypt, but I don't know if it's a sequel of it or a prequel. I don't know if it's intertwined. I know it's a different director because really Scott was doing it before. Right. And, and here's the cursing now. Fuck really Scott. I still don't forgive him based on what he was saying sure. that if he hires a Mohammed that it won't get, uh, it won't get made. I would took very sh- extreme offense to that. Uh, and Asshole. he had so, and and he's also the reason why I didn't see The Martian. I still haven't seen it, and I don't think I'm ever gonna see it because no. you got, got same, yeah, and you got uh Matt Damon, and I didn't forget how he treated Effie Brown. So, oh, exactly, yeah. So, I, so I haven't seen The Martian because of it, but that, but the okay. to uh the point of how the director of this movie was on Facebook doing a rant, and I read about this on Movie Trailer Reviews, which is owned by um Chris from he's a Insanity Report on Twitter. He wrote an article about it and said that pretty much the director was ranting, pretty much saying that the, the critics are the reason why the movie didn't do well. So nothing about his shitty filmmaking or his shitty directing or the fact that they had extremely shitty uh, casting. Oh, no, it's because of the critics that it did bad. Now, <laughs> I'm one to say that critics can definitely get very emotional in their critiques sometimes and sometimes they're off the mark. But if there was any critic who went to that movie and I even I haven't even seen it and said this was really good, they're lying. 
the lion because mm-hmm. there's no any type of uh, 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 accurate or historical representation. You whitewash Egypt. How Basically. do you, how do y'all do this? How? Yep. Just, and you know what? That also just goes to show, and it, it's just weird because you say that, and um, there today specifically, there uh, there are a lot of media outlets that are blaming the low ratings of the Oscars on Chris Rock. And not on the fact that black people, a lot of black people were right. not watching. Right. Okay. So it's like they don't want to admit the fact that we have power and it is obvious how much power we have. We're not going to go see Gods of Egypt. So that's, that's why you make $14 million. We're not going to watch the Oscars because you don't help with representation. So that's why your ratings are so low. But they will find any other reason to blame it except for the fact that we have power. And this is how we illustrate that. And I didn't see a lot of news coverage on the fact that a whole bunch of black people organized the Justice for Flint, mm-hmm. um, right. or, you know, Absolutely. organization and raised over $130,000 for Absolutely. residents to have clean water. I didn't see a lot of coverage happening on that. So, yep. you know, kudos to Ryan Coogler and Ava DuVernay, Jesse Williams and everyone over there for doing the damn thing over there at Justice for Flint. Uh, it was really well done. The the kids, Jesse and the kids, just my heart just almost fell out of my chest. Listening to the stories of those children, um, to see how the music community came together and so Absolutely. many people out there were supportive. It was really amazing. I mean, the musicians were incredible. It was just, it was awesome. It was an awesome. I wish that that hundred and thirty thousand dollars was one point three million. That's what it should have yeah. been. It deserves it. it. Been. Yeah. Flint deserves it. Yeah, they do. Also, if you want to kind of bring it full circle to Oscar So White, that uh, program was very inclusive. If you want to talk about black mm-hmm. people not being inclusive, <clears throat> right. they had a lot of different marginalized groups um, speaking about their experience. There's one uh, uh, kid who was talking about how uh, I think it was his parents or something along those lines couldn't get tested for lead poisoning because they're undocumented. And there's some oh, people in Flint who pretty much they don't know what's going on because they haven't gotten a Spanish uh, language interpreter. Right. So hearing these stories and seeing other marginalized groups, you know, not only share their, you know, pain, but share their joy. Like you, uh, when you're seeing Janelle Monae's performance, you see girls in hijabs of different colors. Right. Jigging, like absolutely jigging. Up front. Getting their life. Getting their life. And I was so pleased with that. I was pleased that once again, as I said, Black people are very inclusive to a fault. It, it, we, we naturally have that inclination to bring everyone in because we're better by numbers. And mm-hmm. so to see that shown during Justice for Flint while everybody else was fighting, uh, non-black people of color was fighting on Twitter was very nice to see. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, this was an amazing discussion. I, I do want to wrap it up before I end this. I, I do want to ask each of you guys to just Give everybody your social media shout outs. If there's any projects that you're working on, let us know and where we can find you on the interwebs. So we'll start with Cynthia, Karan, Joy and Kayla. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Synfinite, C-Y-N-F-I-N-I-T-E, uh, Tumblr, SynfiniteBeyond.tumblr.com. And I'm currently working on a short story compilation book filled with stories for black girls. So, oh, yeah. Nice. 
and this is Karan, and you can find me everywhere at Karanism, C-A-R-O-N-I-S-M. I am currently finishing my book about rebuilding our lives when everything falls apart and my organization called Rebuild Her. Well, I'm Joy. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JumpedForJoy, J-U-M-P-E-D-F-O-R-J-O-I, also known as Squirrely Chisholm. I, got, I was very proud of I made that name up a couple oh of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am the founder of Young Corporate and Black. It's a website that talks about um, marginalized groups' perspective of being in a white workspace and we the kicker is, is that we let anyone um, submit and you can be anonymous because of job safety. Um, I'm also on the uh, leadership marketing team for Blavity, which is a website for black millennials, which also loves black girl nerds. So um, you guys can find me on Twitter. Um, you can find me. This is Kayla at uh, Maria under slash Hisela, And that is G.I.E.S.E.L.A. Also on Tumblr at Clockwork Berry Orange. I um, do a lot of mentoring here in Atlanta for young moms who um, deal with their children being diagnosed with autism because I'm an autism mom. So for any information that you need, um, reach out to me on Twitter if you're looking for someone to just talk to about it. Um, it's a hard situation, but it's also very rewarding. So that's where you can find me. Excellent. Thanks, ladies, for coming on the show. This is a good one. That was Thank so you, Thank you. That was good. I love you guys. (laughs) I love you too.